Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. If you're ready to get in the Word, somebody shout out, let's get it. All right, let's do it. If you brought your Bibles, let's go to the book of James this morning. Book of James, and I'll be there momentarily. It'll be James chapter 1. We've been in this series called Killing the Things That Are Killing You. And I'm going to pull a Dennis Weber. Those of you that have been under my dad's ministry for many, many years, he was notorious for being in the middle of a series and say, hey, this is going to be the last installment. We'll pick it up at a later date. Y'all remember those days? I'm pulling a dentist today. I'm pulling the dentist card, uh, the Coach Weber card. We're going we're gonna to pause this, um, this particular collection of talks uh, because I don't want to keep running into Christmas. And I, we may pick this back up. There's just a couple other things that I wanted to address. But today I wanted to be the final one. And this one is really going to... Um, uh, it's going to be right, right at your doorstep. Um, I think it's going to speak to every one of you. I know that it has me. Adam and I have a running joke um, that most, not most of the time, every time, uh, the messages that I preach are the areas that I struggle with the most, or is it something that 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 God puts in my in my in my way for the week so that I can completely understand what it is I'm communicating? And the church said, "Oh me, yeah, it's going to be that today." So in this series, we went straight to John 10.10. You know that that verse. This is our theme verse. Um, You don't have to turn there because I know you're already in James. But this is where Jesus was telling a group of people that the thief, everybody say the thief. You do know that the devil, Satan, is a thief. Jesus was telling this particular group of people that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That means the devil wants to steal your joy. And, and we know that the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we can allow the devil to steal our joy, we're walking around as weak Christians. Hello. And, and I, I, I have been that before. I have allowed the enemy to steal my joy, and I've walked around wondering why I feel like somebody's kicked my teeth in. Well, I can go back and trace it to the fact that I allowed something, some situation to steal or rob my joy. The enemy wants to kill your peace. He wants to destroy your relationships. And ultimately, he wants to rob you and I of our destiny. Somebody shout out, not going to happen. Say, not today, Satan. That was what Jesus said, but he also said, but I have made you a promise. I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Jesus wants to give us an abundant life, not an average life, not an okie-dokie life, not an adequate life, but a life that's beyond anything that we could ever ask, dream, or think of. That's what God wants to do for you and I. Amen? But in order to live life to the fullest, we must address the things that the enemy uses, we call them tools, that the enemy uses to steal from us, the tools that he uses to kill and to destroy our relationships and our dreams. What are some of those tools? We talked about them in part one, two, three, and four, and that was insecurity. That's a tool because if the enemy can get you insecure about who God's called you to be, you're less likely to share your faith because you're like, well, who am, who am I? Why would, anybody, why would anybody care what I have to say? 
Another tool that the enemy uses is unforgiveness, harboring, unfor, uh, harboring uh, forgiveness, keeping forgiveness or, or battling with unforgiveness. And the other one was comparison. If you missed any of those, I, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to podcasts. But today I want to talk about another area that I believe affects us all. Anybody in the room? <clears throat> Anybody want to be honest this morning? Okay, here we go. How many in the room have ever lost your cool, blown a gasket, or became angry over something? Now remember, you do have family in here, and they are checking to see if your hand is up. Yeah, just about every one of us. Maybe it was, or maybe it's something that somebody did. Maybe it's something that someone said. Maybe it's something uh, that you thought was going to go a certain way, and it went sideways quick. That's usually what happens to me when it goes sideways because I like to have the plan A, B, C, D, map it all out and let it, let it fly, baby. And if, if it ever goes sideways, I, I, and I'm real readable too. Amy tells me all the time, check your face. Or she'll ask me, hey, are you good? And I'll be like, oh, I'm great. Notify your face because <laughs> it's not there. And so today I want to speak to you for the next few moments on gaining control of my anger. Gaining control of my anger. This will be the final installment to this subject, killing the things that are killing me. Nudge your neighbor, tell, us, say, some, tell them, say, sometimes I get angry. Now, if that's if somebody you know, you can tell back and go, oh, I know. <laughs> Let's be honest. There are things that can happen sometimes on a daily basis as this generation would say, that trigger us. There are people in my household that know how to pull that trigger for me. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, life, life can, can have this way of making us respond to situations outside of how we normally would if we were, if we were in our right mind. You do recognize and realize that when you step outside of the mind of Christ and you operate in your own agenda, in your own flesh, you're going to respond in a way that's less Christ-like. Amen? Yeah. So, like, like everything that you've learned about being a Christian, when, when somebody pulls your trigger, everything that you know about being a Christian that we're called to love God and love people, it goes out the window. Right? Like, like I can go from wanting to lay hands and pray on you to wanting to lay hands five-fold ministry and lay hands on you. I can turn on a dime, baby. Yeah. And so, and so let, let me say this about anger, though, okay? Let me just go ahead and clear the slate on this right here. And we, I've talked about this before. Anger is not a sin. Write that down. I know some of you are like, huh? Anger is not a sin. Matter of fact, I believe it was the Apostle Paul in Ephesians said, in your anger, do not sin. Anger is an emotion that God wired us with. It's how we, it's how we identify that something uh, uh, socially is wrong or incorrect or, or something is not right. It's, it's how we, it's, it, <coughs> it's our temperature gauge of, of uh, 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 if, if, if things are, if things are going to be okay. Let me swap to this one. Can I, can I do that? Let me just turn this one off and swap. So anger is not a sin. Anger is something that God wired within human beings. Where anger becomes a problem is when, the, when, when its position plays a role in our humanity 
that, be, that be, then dominates and forces us to respond in a way that we typically would not or should not. We know we should. Somebody say, I know better. Most of the time when I lose my cool, I, and, I, and I've done it, I've blown it, I know within two seconds of walking away, I blew it. I'll own it. I will own it. Let's, let's go ahead and just go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning with verse 19, says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Apostle Paul actually wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he was trying to give them instruction on how to live the life that Jesus had for us, the life to the fullest, living life to the fullest. And he wrote it in, in uh, he wrote this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, 32. Let's just flip over there real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 31 and 32. And this is what he said. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, I get it, that was a letter for the church over 2,000 years ago, but that is a letter that is still true today. It still has the power that we need to tap into as a church. Let's just be honest. We live in a time and a day and a culture where never before have we seen such hatred in our country. Would you agree? We, I see so much hatred in, in, in doggone it. You can, and I, I, I bash on Facebook all the time. That's because people abuse. Remember what I said the other day? I'm not knocking Facebook. I use Facebook, but I don't let Facebook use me. But you can go on Facebook and see everybody's opinion about what they think about this. They will say stuff that they don't, there's, they, they don't even, <clears throat> I got to be careful. <clears throat> this is church talk, not a, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a locker room talk. They will say things that they would typically not say to you face to face. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? And, 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 so, and so, so, so we, live in a, we live in a day and time where this message is highly, uh, would be highly effective if people would actually take it in. This weekend, if we really focus on gaining control, if we want to focus on gaining control of our anger and not allowing that emotion to have a primary role in our life, I want us to look at this guy in Scripture in the Old Testament. This is where we're going to land for the next few moments together, who, who I believe speaks to this subject more clearly. It's a guy by the name of Moses. Everybody say Moses. Say Moses was the man. Moses was the man. So let's go to the New, uh, excuse me, the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 20. I know we, we're, we're, all over the, we're all over the book today, but that's good. <clears throat> Just t- trying to establish some content and context, and then we're going to bring it on home. Numbers chapter 20, we're going to cover all of it, but I'm going to jump straight to verse 10 first. Verses 10 through 12 says this, Then he, that's Moses, he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen to Moses. This is the guy, this is the guy that God is using to 
to bring the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery, okay? This is, listen to what he says next. He says this. Moses says, listen, you rebels. <laughs> I know that, that, that probably we say a lot worse today, but if you were to say rebels back then, you, probably, you probably would have ticked somebody off. This is not a guy who had all of his anger issues under control. That's the point I'm trying to make. And you're going to see why here in just a minute. He said, listen, you rebels. He shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Every one of us have been around somebody. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a parent. Somebody who blew a gasket, lost their mind, and you walked away going, that was not right. That was wrong. Have you ever done that before? Like, you noticed somebody blew a gasket, and it just wasn't cool, right? Well, that's what's going on, and and what I want, it's easy. It's so easy for us to look at one scripture out of context and look at Moses and go, Moses was a bad leader. I mean, this is the guy that, you know the story, and I'll go there in a minute. This is the guy, again, that God chose to lead the children of Israel, God's man, and, 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 and he's not perfect. It's easy to look at him in that moment and go, uh, he blew it. He, he's a horrible leader. What if I gave you just a little bit of background And the reason I'm doing that is because I think it's important that when we see other people blow it, have a, make a mistake. Maybe we need to look at the background or we're real, we're real big on, I don't approve of, of that lifestyle or I don't agree with how you're doing. Well, that's cool. But have you ever taken the time to hear their story to find out why they are in the situation that they're in? Oh, ye of judgment. Because the church is real quick to pass judgment, but we have no time to actually build a relationship and find out what their story is. Oh, me. Because <laughs> I've been raised in church. I know, I know, I know, I understand. But I also want to love people like Jesus loved people. Because ministry is relational. It's real easy for me to come up here and to read scripture that, would, that, will, that will go straight, straight between the eyes, hit you right between the eyes, right where you're living, make you feel condemned, not convicted. Y'all do understand that conviction is the Holy Spirit's job. That's not my job. And it's not my job to condemn you. Amen? So, so we need to be a church, and we will be. We work very hard at making sure that we build relationships with people to hear their story. So let me give you a little background on Moses. Moses wasn't a time traveler who God pulled out of time and said, you're going to be the one, Moses. You're going to be the one that, 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 that leads the children of Israel through the Red Sea to the promised land, and Moses just showed up and go, I'm here, let's go. That's not how it happened. You remember the story. Moses escaped genocide. He escaped being killed because there was a bounty on his head. And what does mom do? Put the baby. Where's my buddy at? He, I was going to use him. Put the baby in a basket and send him down the river. But God, but God, God orchestrated the direction and led that basket straight to an Egyptian person. So, so Moses grew up in the very house of the people that were oppressing his people, which were Hebrews. 
day in and day out, as Moses grew up, he watched the Egyptian people enslave the very group of people that, that he came from. The Hebrew people. Everybody say Hebrew people. One day his anger got the best of him. Remember, this is, this is going to be the one that God uses. One day his anger got the best of him, and he went out and he killed the Egyptian slave master because he was abusing a, 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 a Hebrew. And then after he committed murder, everybody say murder. Let me tell you something. You say it all the time, Pastor B, God specializes in using the people who have a jacked up life. That's pretty jacked up. You're going to commit murder, and God's still going to use you. And, and so, so he runs, so Moses runs in, into the wilderness. And just as he gets there, God shows up and shares with Moses. He says, you're going to be my mouthpiece to the Egyptian people, and I'm going to use you to liberate my people from slavery. Now, as you study the life of Moses, you'll see that Moses, and some of you already know this, Moses had a speech impediment. I don't know about you, but there are times, even in my old age, that my tongue and my mouth, I know some of y'all are like, no, that's because you drink Red Bull and you can't get the two to connect. There are some times I'm just genuinely trying to have a conversation and, 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 and I can't make these two, these two cooperate. I mean, I've called, what was it that I said H2O? What was it? I said what? Oh, I called water O2, and y'all just looked at me like, wow, that was so profound. At least that's what I thought y'all were saying. I was trying to say H2O. I just, there's, this, is past, this is past stories. And, and so, 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 so I understand that if God's going to use you or God's going to use me to do something, man, I can't even talk right half the time. I was flipping through some, some old photos during the holidays, uh, a, a photo album that my mom put together for me years ago. And in the back of that was all of my element. I was, was going to bring them, all of my elementary school report cards. And on the back of every one of those is this area that my teacher, all my teachers from, 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 from first grade to fifth grade, that was the package that I had, of course, they all felt like they wanted to give an opinion of, of Bradley's attitude and assess to his parents how he was doing in class. I promise you, without fail, every one of those report cards said these words. He talks entirely too much. I know some of you are like, no kidding. <laughs> and so, but, but what you got to understand and see, as a kid, when I would read that, you know, and, and I got to improve, you know, he's having, a, he's having an issue with his attitude. I mean, there was some other stuff in there. And, and, and even as I read it, I'm like, dear God. I, it's amazing that I even accepted the call of God on my life because my teachers were trying to get me to shut up and God is actually trying to get me to talk. So Moses here was with a, has a speech impediment and God is saying, I'm going to use you to be my mouthpiece. And he's going, but God, surely there's somebody else that can do this. Some of you are sitting there today, and you know that the call of God is on your life, or maybe God is, maybe, maybe, maybe you're walking through Walmart, and, and, and you see somebody, and the Holy Spirit just nudges you to say, hey, there's a 20 in your pocket. Why don't you give it to that mama with all those kids? I'm just coming up with, with things that I, I know he's called me to do. Well, surely, God, you want somebody else because you know this is the last 20 that I have. Surely you're going to call somebody. Somebody else is more equipped. Somebody else's bank account is a lot deeper than mine. Surely what I found is when you actually obey God, even if that's the last 20 you got to help somebody, God will make sure that there's more money that shows up in your account. 
I've watched it happen time after time after time. But when we try to go around and say, I'm going to be the Christian, but we do it with fist, with, with, with closed hands because we want to hold on tight to what we have, two things are happening. One, there's a disobedience because you won't release, but the other is God can't drop in your hand because you can't hold it because you're trying to, because your hands are closed. May we be a church that, that walks with hands wide open for the people in our community, and we do that. Amen? So Moses starts making excuses saying, God, I can't be the one. And God says, listen, you just go. I'll be with you. I will speak through you. So Moses trusts God even in the midst of of tragedy. I'm trying to get you to understand why Moses got to a place where the very people he was trying to lead out. I can feel it now. I'm I'm in the zone now. Uh, The people he was trying to lead, why he got frustrated and called them, you rebels. That'd be like saying, you bunch of idiots. Oh, my gosh, you're so ignorant and unlearned. I'm I'm trying to, to, because when I said rebels, y'all were like, that really wasn't that bad, right? But what if, I mean, I'm not Moses by any means, but can you imagine if I came up here and start bashing you? Well, there's a backstory. I'm trying to get you to understand why it is that Moses responded the way that he did. Because many of you in this room, even though you want us to believe that you're holy and mm, you got issues and you're jacked up. I know this because I recognize it in myself. <laughs> okay, here's the old saying. It takes one to know one. Okay, now we're on the same page. All right. I wonder, how, I wonder how many people in this room ever read the story of Moses in its entirety and maybe formed that opinion that maybe Moses, even though God, he was supposed to, because you do know he didn't actually lead the children of Israel in, Right? Okay, we're going to get there in just a moment. But maybe you read the story and you formed the opinion that maybe Moses really wasn't the great leader that, that many people have thought, but now after hearing his story, now you have compassion for him. Well, the story gets a little deeper. Everybody say reasons. You know, anytime I blow a gasket at my house with my girls, typically they're swift and quick to call me out. And I'm quick and swift to go, yeah, but this is why. I just had a bad day. This, 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 and this has happened to me. That's called reasons. Which leads me to my first point that I want to share with you today, and it's simply this. Reasons never remove responsibility. Moses is like, yeah, but I got reasons why I can't be the one. I've committed murder. I can't talk. That's fine. But the reasons will never remove you from a responsibility. Just because I've had a bad day, I have a responsibility of coming home to my family and loving them like Christ loves them. The Bible says, husbands, we are to love our wives like Christ loves the church. Amy Weber's watching right now as she's driving from Alabama. She probably just flipped off the road just thinking, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm called to love her like Christ loves the church. I can come up with all the excuses and all the reasons why I'm, I got a bad attitude today. But it does not remove the responsibility that God has placed on my life to love my family as gifts. Who am I talking to today? Am I the only one that has anger issues sometimes? Okay. Because y'all looking at me like so sweet, like, mm, that's, this is this good, but it didn't really apply to me. 
See, Moses had a lot of reasons to be frustrated. And even after all that Moses had been through up to that point, when he gets into the wilderness and leads God's people into liberation, more tragedy still strikes. Moses' closest family member in, in, that, in that moment was his brother Aaron. Outside of Aaron was his sister Miriam. And in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1, she dies. Now I'm going to put it all together in these last few moments that we have. In the first month, let's just go there. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness in Zin, uh, of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. Now, what we should read next based on how we are as a church family Okay, what we should read next is how this community of people surrounding Moses began to care and comfort for him, asking, hey, Moses, what can we do? Y'all know how we do when we find out somebody's going through. How can we serve? We want to jump in the ditch with you. What can we do to help you through this season? But instead, those people gathered in opposition to Moses. He's laid down his life for them. He's, lo- he's, he, he's, he's lost his sister. And all they're worried about is water. They're complaining. Let's just go there. Number two, verse two. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. There were lots of reasons why Moses could justify why he was getting worked up, why he was getting angry. But the thing that we got to remember is God never missed a beat. He was always there for Moses. What did he say at the beginning? I will be with you. I will go before you. I, I will give you the words to say. I heard somebody say it today. I, I don't remember who it was on the platform. said, you are not alone. One of, the, one of the tools the enemy uses the most when we're going through things is nobody understands what I'm going through. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're going through, you're in a season where you're filled with emotions. The holidays bring all kinds of emotions. People get angry for no reason. That's the the big thing. There's so many people in, in the world who are so angry and so mad that they've not even stopped to ask, why am I mad? They've been told to be mad. They've been trained to be mad. Culture, is, culture is, is, is shifting things in their direction to cause them to be angry, and they don't have to be. But they've been programmed that you're supposed to be angry about this. Listen, if we're not careful, we'll begin to justify and reasoning within ourselves why our bad attitude is okay. I know this is not your typical Christmas message, but it's the one that I, that I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to, us to wrap up this talk about anger because out of all the areas that I struggle with the most permission to be transparent I was going to be it anyway out of all the issues that I have and oh do I have many anger is probably one of my biggest issues thank you for the hand that was raised in the back so I didn't feel alone let me give you an example of how this anger thing works in in your pastor so I was leaving the gym on Monday, and I was going to Walmart before everybody else woke up and went to Walmart to start purchasing bikes for the parade. And as I'm coming through, I see a semi-truck coming down our main line here at the parking lot of the church, which, by the way, semis are not supposed to be in this parking lot. And they made the turn to go in front of 
the semi made the turn to go in front of the, 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 the furniture store. And as he did, or as I would later learn, she did, she hit the curbing and ran over the stake that we leave in the ground for our flags. And I remembered that we've just had to replace one not long ago. They're not cheap because we leave them in the ground so we don't have to hit them every week like that. So I'm like, okay, I got you. I'm leaving Walmart and the same premier truck. Oh, gosh, did I just say that? I did, I did, I did, I did. The same truck is now leaving, coming back across, made the same turn, and came over the curbing again. So I'm pulling into the church, and I'm like, I'm getting ready to fire off an email to property management. That's the people we rent this space from. And I'm going to let them deal with this situation. I was getting a little heated. I'm just telling my story. I don't know how y'all do stuff. This is how I did it. And as I got out of the car, I said, no, forget that. I'm going to go find out who the manager is at Tractor Supply, and we're going to have a conversation. So I walk in. Hey, who's the manager, Brian? Hey, Brian, nice to meet you. I'm the pastor from next door. Hey, I need to find out how we can take care of these semi-trucks that are pulling in and out of the parking lot, which, by the way, they're not actually supposed to come through the parking lot. I said, um, we, I said we, we've just purchased 12 acres. This is our temporary home. I said, but we just paid somebody to come and, 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 and lay um, uh, 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 pine bark in our, in our, in our beautiful um, uh, island area, flower bed, and some of our sweet ladies have planted flowers. And... Um, I just need to find out how they're, they're, they're tearing everything up. He goes, oh, yeah. He said, um, he said I'll, I'll send out an email to, to that company that you guys are going to forget that I just named. Okay. <laughs> Great guy. Brian was amazing. Handled the situation. No big deal. So I come to the church on Wednesday. I get out of my car, and there in the middle island, which is our island, it has a Release City Church sign that is completely laid down. I pick the flag up. I bend it back up, and I look over, and some of our bushes have been completely smashed. So I lock my car. I walk back to Tractor Supply. I said, hey, is Brian working today? Said, yep, he's in the back. So I walked in the back with, with, the, with the employee, and I said, Brian, I said, hey, I said, just curious. I said, did you, um, did you address the issue that we talked about? He goes, oh, yeah. He said, I sent an email. And I said, well, I kind of feel like this is a, re- a retaliation. Um, because it's one thing to make the turn and let your trailer just barely get the curb. I said, but they literally went through the center of a huge island, knocking down our flag, uh, our sign, knocking, uh, uh, coming across all of our bushes. And he says, well, that particular company hasn't made, hasn't made a stop this week. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll go through the video footage because I, it comes to that side of y'all's building. He said, and I'll find out who it is. And he said, and we'll go to the patrol. We'll go to the law enforcement. I said, you just get me the footage. I said, we have law enforcement in the house. I said, we'll show up and make the phone call to thank them for giving us an eventful week. So that didn't, that, I was boiling, y'all. Some of y'all might have saw the post. It was up for five minutes. I was boiling because I'm like, and I know, I know, I know, I know, but we're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to love people, show them grace and all that stuff. But we're not supposed to be a doormat for people. Hello, people who want to respond to my page and try to quote scripture to me that we're supposed to love like Jesus, but I'm not to be a doormat. It's God's house, and I'm responsible. So... 
I walked through the house after feeling good about hitting send or post on my phone. And I looked over, and there on the little table was my dad's picture with probably one of the best pictures he's ever taken. Nice smile. And he said, Bradley Wayne, walk quietly and stay the course. I went back to my phone. I said, yes, sir. I went back to my phone, and I hit delete. Because the Holy Spirit said, how are you doing with walking quietly? It matters how we respond. I could have let the enemy beat me up because I blew it and I posted. Somebody within our community commented, even though it was only on there for five minutes. And I actually tried to, when I finally got to talk to Amy, I was like, you're never going to believe what happened today. She goes, I already know. Somebody told me you posted on Facebook. I was like, he wasn't even on there for five minutes. Remember when I was just jamming on people who want to say things that they'd never say to somebody's face? Oh, I would have said it. Trust me. But, But my motive behind it was wrong. See, I could have allowed the enemy to wreck me and wreck my week. And many of you have done things in your past and you've allowed the enemy to wreck you so you're continuing to stay on the path that you're on because you don't feel good enough to actually step off. And it was all it was was I hit the X button, deleted it, and I, pursued, and I just went on about my day. I actually felt better that I had did that because I obeyed God. It's in my disobedience that the conviction came. I know I I justified it. I felt good that I posted that thing and liked that somebody noticed. Right? Nudge your neighbor say that was still wrong. See, anger is not wrong, but when you allow the anger to dictate how you respond to your family members, it's wrong. In your anger, do not sin. Focusing something I've learned about my past mistakes, focusing on the past mistake will not change it. (laughs) For the last few moments, I want to give you some tangible keys that's going to help you rise above your anger and rage. Are you ready? Because how we handle stress will not just impact right now, but it will impact next. So how do we rise above our anger and rage? Here's point number one. I must listen to my creator more than my critics. Y'all, this hit, if, it, if it's hitting anybody between the eyes, it hit your pastor between the eyes. I must listen to my creator more than my critics. Moses was listening to the grumbling and complaining of the people about the water. He just lost his sister and they're complaining. I don't have time to read it, but you guys can go through this and read. They're, they're complaining about that he led them out of the bondage. They were like, man, there were grapes there. There were pomegranates there. We're out here. We don't even have water for our families or our livestock. Moses sacrificed everything, and now they're turning on him. Go back to that point again for me. Listen to your creator more than your critics. Everybody's got critics, and everybody, every, people will say negative stuff about every, anything. You don't believe me? Just go on Amazon. Ladies, how many Amazon? I know guys are like, Amazon. No, don't tell her to go to Amazon. Amazon. You can pick out any, any, anything and, and go to the reviews, and halfway down, you're going to see nothing but negative comments. If you want to find something negative, it's easy to access. The next time somebody criticizes you, I want you to laugh it off and be like, oh, okay. 
That's, that's who you think I am? <laughs> Whatever. Okay, it's good. Have a blessed day. Oh, you think I should have responded that way? I'm, so, I'm sorry you feel that way. Bye-bye. <laughs> why? Because I'm spending time with my creator, and I know that God has created and wired me this way. I don't care that, that you, you it, it, it matters who gets your ear. That's what I really want to say. It matters who gets your ear. There's three types of critics. Are you ready? Three types. Here's, here's the first one. Culture. Culture is constantly trying to mold and shape you into its version of you. Culture. Community. This one's difficult because we're trying to become the person that mom and daddy think we need to be. We're trying to become the person that our coach thinks we need to be. We're trying to become the, the person that our spouse thinks we need to be. The community. The people that we're community of people. Because we struggle with failing other people's expectations. And the third one is ourself. We walk through life feeling like a fraud, trying to become the person that we know God's called us to be, but we, don't feel, we feel inadequate to be that person because we're so focused on our past mistakes. Let me say it this way. Stop going to your critics to valid, for validation just so they can confirm what you already know they're going to say. Number two, how do I deal with and manage anger and, and rage? I must deal with my anger before attacking. What should I have done? I should have taken, I should have taken 30 minutes, turn, put on some praise music, and I, prob- not prob- I would have been less likely to post, make that post on Facebook. I mean, honestly, church, what was the damage that I, prob- I may have done for the people who did see my post, recognize that I'm a pastor, and didn't even comment the damage that I did. Oh, but I felt good about it. But did I really? Do you really? So deal with the anger before you attack. You'll read in here how did Moses handle it. He got in the presence of God. It's, it's in there. I don't have time. He got in the presence of God, but he didn't stay long enough to get precise instructions. He only, he, all, he's, all he knew was, I got to take my staff, and I got to go, and I'm going to draw water from a rock for these rebels. So he got the first step right. He went to God's presence, but the issue was he didn't stay there long enough. How many times do we find ourselves going to God but only to stay long enough to hear what we want to hear or then if, if he says something that we don't like, we begin negotiating with God? I'm going to give you the third one. Before I get to the third one, I'm going to give you this. What we've got to do when anger and rage, when anger and rage are, are there inside of us, we need to pause. We need to Pause. And I want to break that down. The P stands for pause my feet and pause my heart. Don't be a person who constantly runs from your problems. Learn to stand, face your problem, and deal with it. If you want to, take a picture of that because this is, this is going to help you. You've got to pause. Pause pause my feet and pause my heart and then ask God for patience. I know that's a dangerous prayer to ask. It's easy to try and rush to do what God is asking you to do but you may not do it exactly how he wanted it because you didn't take the time to pause U stands for understand what is happening in me anger has a way of numbing us to the point that we aren't really aware of what's actually happening to us S stay close to God stay in God's presence long enough to allow his word and maybe some worship music 
get you to a place where you'll cool off and cool down. And E, expect God to act. Moses took it upon himself. And if you'll read the story, he took the, the staff. And if you'll read, God said, speak to the rock. But, but, but Moses had an attitude and he struck the rock twice with his staff. As if to say, I've lost my sister. You guys are grumbling and complaining. I've laid down everything. You're no longer in slavery and you're worried about some water. So here, you bunch of rebels, bam, bam, and water flowed. And it was at that moment that God took Moses and Aaron aside and said, you will not see or walk into the land that I've promised them and the land that they will walk into. And this bothered me for a long time. Because I'm like, Moses just blew it. And and, and you just left him in the desert. And this week God showed me. In Matthew chapter 17, gosh, I have left so much out. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. This is New Testament. This is when Jesus was walking this earth. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched Jesus, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, are you ready for this? Moses and Elijah, uh, Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? God used the very guy who we've been reading about and talking about for some time this morning, who God left in the desert. God used him, Moses, to confirm that Jesus was God in the flesh. What am I saying, church? Because of, with Jesus, there is always, always a second chance. With Jesus, there's always a third chance. Because that troubled me. God, God, God chose Moses. He blew it and left him in the desert. But the very person that disobeyed God used him to confirm that Jesus was God in the flesh. And I don't know who you are here today. I don't know if what your mistakes have been. I don't know how big they've been. I don't know how, 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 how on fire your, your argument has been with your spouse. But I'm here today to tell you there is room for second chances in the house of God because of Jesus. I usually say this about marriage, but I'm going to say there is nothing that you have done that is beyond repair. I've always applied that to marriage because of my own life. But I'm here today to tell you there is nothing, there is no sin too big that you have done that God can't restore you. Who am I talking to today? I always can tell when messages are tough sledding. I felt like I was sl pushing a sled through rocks this morning and wake up and it's 12.15. 
But if I say nothing else, this is what I want you to know. God has a plan for your life and you've not messed up too much that he can't still use you. If you've messed up, get back up. Just get back up. I could have I let that whole day ruin my whole, the rest of my week because of a truck driver and a post. And here I am, going to teach on anger on Sunday. And Monday, I'm showing my tail. And as if one day wasn't enough, she drove over that curbing two more times on Wednesday. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I understand. Walk quietly, stay the course. And so today I leave you with that. This holiday season, this Christmas season, when you're, when you're introduced or reacquainted with relationships that have been a little rocky, listen, because it's so liberated me this week. And Adam's going to come and close us out in prayer. Walk quietly. Stay the course. Yeah, but they said, walk quietly. Stay the course. Yeah, but they drove over our curbing and messed up our flout. Shh. Walk quietly. Stay the course. It's hard to stay the course when you're bumping them gums. Amen. I love you this morning, church. I love you this afternoon, church. And thank you for leaning in to God's word today. I hope and trust that it ministered to your heart today. Amen. God bless you. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City, or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come.